0: Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode
1: 141. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. And today we are talking about how to find credible news sources and just how much news we should be taking in.
0: The landscape of the mainstream news and media has drastically changed over the last two or three decades. From the sheer amount of outlets from which one could get their news, to the pervasiveness of opinion blurring the lines between editorial and journalistic reports, to say that consuming the news is confusing would be an understatement. So where do we even start to navigate
1: our way through the media today? Let's chat about it. But first, the best way that you can support The Modern Lady is by subscribing to our podcast on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, and by sharing us with your friends. We also welcome you to join us over at patreon.com forward slash the modern lady podcast, where for just $5 a month, you will get exclusive and extra content.
0: This week, we are offering up the work we put into writing and producing this episode in combination with our prayers for our brothers and sisters in Israel and surrounding areas. Two weekends ago, Thanksgiving weekend here in Canada, The world bore witness to a terrorist attack by Hamas on innocent civilians in Israel. While this region has seen its share of terrible violence over the centuries, this attack was ruthless and horrific on a whole other level. Please join us as we pray for the innocent who continue to suffer there and for peace to come to the Holy Land and the Middle East. If you would like to leave us a comment or message us about today's episode, the best way to get in touch with us is on Instagram at The Modern Lady Podcast, but be sure to stay tuned to the end of the episode for other ways to connect because we would love to hear from you. This week's episode is going to be a special edition of The Modern Lady Podcast. We don't have a tip of the week, because today, with everything going on in the world, particularly in Israel and the Middle East, as we mentioned in the opening, we want to have a simple and focused discussion on the news, the media, and the next right thing. Right, Lindsay?
1: Yeah, uh, that's right, Michelle. So I got a message from one of our followers who asked me how we find news sources, right, like in Mm. this ever-changing media landscape. Um, especially since the pandemic Um, people have lost trust in a lot of the media sources that we trusted for years, right? We always Mm -hmm. at 6 o'clock we would let Dan Rather into our homes after dinner and you trusted what Dan Rather had to say Mm -hmm. and when when so many of us actually don't even have cable anymore and need to find news on our own, it gets even more complicated and then with so many smaller producers including you and I, which give Mm up updates on world events. Um, And we are not fully trained for this. Um, You're a little bit trained in this. We can talk about that in a minute. Um, Yeah, it's really hard to figure this out. And so somebody asked me how we do it. The one thing that you and I have learned, and it is a skill I think we've picked up over the six seasons of this podcast, is we are um, pretty good at researching and, and pulling out important bits of information and and tre- like checking it, right? You realize mm-hmm. very quickly when you have a podcast and that strangers are hearing your voice that you better know what you're talking about. And yeah. so we we learned in that first or second <laughs> episode that we better triple quadruple check things. So we will share a bit of the process that we use when we're seeking out news stories.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right when you say it, it's just a changing landscape. And the thing too, I think that we're all like struggling to Catch up with is that it has been one way for a very long time, like yeah. generationally, right? What you were saying, we we used to have the six o'clock newscast, and that's really where you got the news. That and then the daily newspaper, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And within a generation. Within like not even a full generation, it has completely changed. Um, There's very little vestiges of what the news and media used to be like. And so in addition to trying to figure out the news itself, we are also still uh, trying to listen and discern the actual news that they're trying to tell. So if
1: it seems overwhelming, I think it's because it is. It absolutely is. Um, I want to open with a little bit of a frank discussion about the media in general. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you're looking at who owns some of the big media corporations, mm-hmm. I'm just going to toss a few out there. And these were just ones I I knew off the top of my head and this is without digging Um, so Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty shocking Um, here's one Um, Henry Ford yes from Ford manufacturing from Ford cars Um, during the early parts of World War II he purchased his local newspaper um, I think in Illinois and so that he could completely preach his belief in anti-Semitism and further Mm -hmm. what the Nazis were saying over in Germany and so I don't think the people in that community knew he bought the newspaper They're all of a sudden just seeing article after article after article against the Jews. Mm -hmm. Um, This one shocked me. I was watching a documentary on this huge cult that are called the Moonies. That's their unofficial Mm -hmm. name. They're technically the Unification Church. And they were founded by Sun Myung Moon. And uh, they own the Washington Times. They founded it. They created that newspaper. Now, that's a different newspaper than the Washington Post. But when you look at them side by side, you would... Fully expect the Washington Times to be a legacy media, old-timey newspaper. But nope, Mm -hmm. it's being run um, by a cult. Um, Jeff Bezos, the bajillionaire, trillionaire owner of Amazon, he owns the Washington Post, the other one. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: Falun Gong, um, which is, quote, a new religious movement and we don't quite know what that means yet. Right. A lot of information Mm -hmm. coming out of China. We, I think we have some sympathies towards them, but we don't fully know the ins and outs of that. They own the Epoch times, which has some great content in it. It definitely Mm -hmm. trends towards the right. Um, but just so people are aware, like that's owned by this small religious group out of China. Um, and then finally you can even look at Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, right. The longtime abuser, um, the recruiter who worked for Jeffrey um, Epstein, she was his girlfriend. If you Mm. watch the documentary on her family, it's called The House of Maxwell. Her family is one of the huge media families. There's two of them in England, the Murdochs and the Maxwells, and your mind is going to be blown about who she was long before the Epstein thing. So this Mm. is just uh, off the top of my head. Some of the people owning our newspapers, um, yeah, it, it should give you pause.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, wow. I I didn't know many, or if any, of these <laughs> origin stories of today's news sources, to be honest. Um, the uh, the Epoch Times, yes, but uh, that's so interesting. It, it's actually a story in itself, as yeah. a side note, that I'll probably be deep diving later. Um, but it does make total sense to then, knowing all this, you know, to remind ourselves that someone had to start these companies. Yep. And those people naturally have their own opinions and leanings. And so when we know that, it's reasonable for us to expect
1: biases to show through in their corporations, right? And yes. And uh, sorry, Michelle, I think you make a great point too. You said corporations, their whole point is to make money. right and just like with facebook we know that the people will buy and spend like buy more things and spend more money and spend more time on something when they're angry so Mm -hmm. keeping that in mind as well the whole purpose of these yeah 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 spread news but also make money Mm -hmm. oh yeah absolutely um so like
0: kind of continuing along that less altruistic Mm -hmm. (laughs) um train of thought you know, there is I know we talked about you talked about Henry Ford mm-hmm. um, using the media to perpetrate his own like message and mm-hmm. ideologies. And I think of like the Jim Morrison quote of, you know, whoever controls the media controls the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it, there's both at play. There yeah. are like all of these influences, um, the founders bias, um, the message desiring to be put out there, uh, a desire to control what makes it out to the average person. And then, um, yeah, all of these things are basically put the onus back on us who consume the news, right? So the consumption of news seems like in the past it was maybe more of a passive thing. You just listens to the news. Mm-hmm. And so it is coming back on us to kind of up our game, so to speak, in how we approach the sources and
1: information that is out there. Especially because at our fingertips with the click of one button, we can spread those stories, right? And do the mm-hmm. work that they couldn't have dreamed of 20 years ago for circulation of news stories. Um, we can do that for them. And so they Yeah, I think the point here um, is that no matter what the source or no matter who the owner or founder of, of any of these news sources, we actually have a lot more power as the consumer than we think we did. And mm-hmm. so those can anybody could have started those but we we, as a thoughtful consumer, need to know what we're looking for, what we're reading, and it's more important now than ever. And, um, and I just want to point out too, like, and this, I'm just pulling this out of like my head, but this appetite for a nonstop, stop uh, salacious news stream, this mm. is not. Knew. We might have had mm-hmm. this brief period of those great newscasters, the Walter Cronkite uh the 60s, um, for a brief period. But uh, because, as you know, Michelle, I've been so deep in Victorian literature, um, in the Victorian times, you had multiple newspapers a day. So there was, like, your morning post, your afternoon, and they were all tabloidy. Like, and the worst mm. details in them, like, if you look up any murder case, like, it was detailed. Um, People loved it. They ate it up. They bought the newspaper first thing in the morning and at lunch and at dinner. Uh, They were dirt cheap. They had the people calling out the headlines on the the street corners, right? So like our appetite has always been there for it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's really interesting that it was really fueled at that period and then really picking back up to that. And I'll never forget when you explained to me, because you have a background in broadcasting that we can talk Mm -hmm. about in a second, um, about how when that switched, the 24-hour news cycle came out. And before. Four, they only needed to fill a certain amount of time, right, with headlines. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you need to keep people hooked and on your channel to make advertising revenue the entire day. Um, yeah, that, that changes the whole game.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was just um, my own anecdotal observations from working um, in local news. I worked for about five years um, while I was in college and for a few years after that. Um, and I did learn a lot about what goes on behind the scenes. One of those things is, like you just said, like the the amount of time that news corporations have to fill Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a day constantly um, kind of outweighs sometimes the amount of news that there is. Like you can't just actually stop at a headline um, because you still have 23 hours to go. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where you start getting, um, I find, like then you have the panels that come yes. in. And while a lot of times uh, credit where it's due, you try to find experts to sit on the panels. Mm-hmm. Um, but even those experts have their own opinions. And sometimes it's an editorial segment of the show. And sometimes it's just the newscast, which is tries to be a bit uh, more unbiased, but all of it meshes together in this one channel and then compound that you have multiple news sources trying to do the same thing. So that definitely puts a different kind of perspective on the news is that they have to also generate content. Yes. Um, not just taking what is happening and reporting it. They also have to generate something as well, just practically speaking. And then another thing I learned too in just Uh, watching the news play out behind the scenes is that um, a lot of the times you referenced some of the um, iconic newscasters, right? Like Dan Mm -hmm. Rather, Walter Cronkite. Mm -hmm. Um, I do find, and this changed even while I was working at the news station, is there was a shift between like typical, I would say, beat reporters Mm -hmm. who covered like a specific beat, for sometimes years and years and i think over the years they did develop a sense of expertise yes on one area and they just kind of covered those stories that pertained to that industry or that segment of society
1: the agricultural report on sunday nights i think it was on our local news
0: (laughs) (laughs) and while i was a student i worked with some of these um reporters and journalists at the local station who still covered a beat like Mm. they were known even in our local news station um, for a specific um, yeah topic Um, but as they started to retire and the news was also changing still at the same time um, it was a little bit less of that so The reporters would still meet in the mornings, usually with the news director, Mm -hmm. and they would talk about the things that were going on that they would like to cover for that day's newscast, and they start assigning things, but it was um, a, a little bit more spread out amongst people. So I started realizing that, you know, the reporters only have a certain amount of time in a day to learn everything they can about a story, Wow! find everything they can to support the facts to put together, uh, and then put together all of that information into maybe a one-minute package, yeah, and have all of that ready for six p.m. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, there's no possible way they can be experts. And to be fair, I don't think any of them um, intentionally or deliberately. set themselves up as the authority on every news story they produce. Um, But we are still used to, as the consumers, we're still used to Walter Cronkite. Yeah, (laughs) And we see them as experts. And then we get a little bit upset when maybe we're like, but you didn't, you didn't speak to all sides of this story when I think it's changed so much without us even noticing that that isn't really the reality of news and broadcast news anymore so once again so much of this is like now um, because of the immediacy of the news industry we just all have such a bigger part to play
1: as the audience than we may ever had before. Oh, absolutely. And I think one more point, just when you really think about the news, and this is something that I've learned through having a spouse in policing, um, Mm -hmm. and I find there's actually a great parallel to those in media, is there is often so much more that they know that they cannot share, that they legally Mm. cannot share. They Mm -hmm. need to protect the police in it. And I know from a policing standpoint that the public gets like 3% of what the police know or are currently working on. I mean, it only makes sense, right? They can't show their Mm -hmm. hand. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have to remember that too as consumers, that there is more that I'm sure that these journalists would like to share from their sources that they've heard. But until things can get checked and double-checked and triple-checked so that they don't get sued or until the police give them the go ahead to share more information. You know, one of the parts of my husband's job is he sometimes writes the media release
0: um, Mm -hmm. for the case
1: they're working on. And so I know that what they're sharing is the tip of the iceberg and that there is so much more below. And so I think going into every news story with that knowledge that everyone knows that there's so much more, but we forget that But then if you pause and go, there's so much more going on here and not everyone's being heard and not every side of the story is being represented. We're only getting that little, like you said, one minute snippet of a much larger story.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's something to consider too, is that, you know, if we're going to be consuming such massive amounts of news that pertain to every corner of the globe, um, there is a whole global history of context that we yes. probably don't have, like on yes. the tip of our tongues. And so we can't even put into context a lot of these news stories off the top of our heads. And the news providers, based on parameters, if it's print they might only have a certain amount of space or a word count they're working with. Um, and with news, it's time they have to work within. Um, but there's like an entire history. There's geopolitical history that's going on. There's cultural history. There's, uh, yeah, there's just so, so much. The sheer amount of news that we want to consume in our society does not. Uh, compute. It doesn't go with the amount
1: of education we have behind it to back it up. Wow. And I can't think of a better example of what's going on right now in Israel, right? Like you and I were both talking about how Mm -hmm. we were like ashamed to admit to one another that we didn't really understand what was going on. We didn't understand how, when Israel became a nation state and how Palestine fits into it and all this. And, Mm -hmm. and the truth is, I don't think we need to be embarrassed about that or ashamed i think that when um when you can learn more and know more you should and that's what we're going to talk about here um but i just want to say that for anybody else listening to going i didn't actually google it until this weekend either well you're not alone in that neither did Mm -hmm. we and and so what you were just saying michelle and i think this is so important is that we're all of a sudden trying to become knowledgeable about something very quickly but you're right there are as decades of nuance there that we're Mm -hmm. not going to pick up on just short little snippets of news right now um and so it is a lot to process and we need to strike that balance between taking in information that i do think i do think as a responsible citizen of this world we should know what's going on you Mm -hmm. know we've got eight kids between you and i um we need to know what's going on in the world but there is that balance of protecting also then your heart and your mind and your spirit and um that's we'll get into that in a little bit but like never before we have access to these countless sources and all of these sources have nuance and decades of information and it's coming from all different places and then it's just so it, we are overwhelmed by it and so we thought we would now share with you some of the things that you can do to look for credible news sources, some steps that we recommend. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because I think we're realizing as we talk this out in this episode today mm-hmm. is that it it requires a little bit of legwork on our part yes. to be responsible consumers of the news. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so how to even do that? It, it does actually happen like in our own
1: homes. Yeah. So I found out that this is called news literacy or media literacy, but Mm -hmm. news literacy is a term that means having critical thinking skills, which allows you to determine whether the news is coming from a legitimate and credible source or not. So then media literacy is just the expanded term of that, which takes into account the fact that media sources are changing and expanding at a rapid pace. What is so interesting is that news literacy is definitely a course that's being taught Mm -hmm. in colleges and universities universities. And I didn't know that's what it was called, but this is something that I taught my kids when I was homeschooling them. So we would pull up the front page of a newspaper. I would have my children. And at this point they were maybe the oldest two were eight and 10, nine Mm -hmm. and 11, like around there. And they would read, and I would choose which article, you know, there was one about a drive-thru. Okay. If a drive-thru restaurant should be put near this residential area, that was one that comes to mind and I'd have my kids read it. And then they would immediately want to talk about it. And I'm like, wait, Wait. Look up another source. Look up more mm. before we start talking about it. Look at it for and then I'd say, well, tell me how this person feels about it. Like, what would be their argument? What would be the other argument? And we really worked um, from a very young age at teaching them how to be very critical thinkers and critical readers, and not just start talking about something without doing a bit more research. Mm. And that's what news literacy is, which I think is is really great.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that uh, the word literacy. Yeah. To me always makes me think about learning how to read. <laughs> yes. And you do have and to that, learn how to read. Yes. I was just going to say and that's yeah. exactly like what news literacy is is you're learning how to read the news which remember we were just talking about maybe feeling a little bit embarrassed by mm-hmm. like not being experts <laughs> yeah on all these things and on um reading the news and things like that but it is a a newer skill. Um That you have to develop and grow in. So I actually quite like the term news literacy. Um, And for us, we also try to work a worldview into our homeschool as well with news. Um, We do, besides talking about news that's happening in the world, we also do a lot of history and geography study Mm -hmm. in our homeschool. And I find that lends itself to great discussions too. so much. yeah, so I find that by doing that by the time the news hits my kids' ears, they hopefully have a framework to process things in, right? Yeah. Um, and then depending on their their ages and their different thresholds for information and what kind of information comes in, to let that into practice within the school of the family. Yes. Right. This is a safe place. There's no better place to learn how to discuss and dissect information and sort out the the biases and contexts than with your your siblings and parents. <laughs> yes. Um. So I think I think that's a great thing that we can do
1: is news literacy in our homes. And it's OK if we're all learning this right now together like this is mm-hmm. brand new. There was no Internet till I was like late teens early 20s like this is all brand new so and the school of the family like for us to feel comfortable too as the adults to say I don't actually know how I feel about this yet let me look into it more and and we're all kind of learning together which I think is great Mm -hmm. um you just reminded me of one of my favorite quotes I believe it's Mark Twain and it's that history doesn't repeat itself but it sure does rhyme and Right. Great. Knowledge yes. of history is a huge key to understanding what's going on right now. I just love that your your kids are getting that strong foundational understanding of how the world looks geography wise throughout history and in mm-hmm. the history of things. Um, mm-hmm. some of the current things that we're also trying to navigate our way through are fake news, right? Like we mm. I won't do an <laughs> I won't do a Donald <laughs> Trump impersonation. Um this is the only <laughs> way I hear it. Right. Fake news. I can't do it. I can't do it. Um um, I don't I didn't look into it I don't know if he's the first person to ever use that that term but definitely mm. fake news is out there before that it was you know fact checkers and snopes and then people saying they don't trust snopes and all that stuff but that that concept has been around for a while I think we all know what that is now one of the newer ones that you guys might have heard of but you might not fully understand is this idea of psyops and I'll mm. briefly touch on this and yeah. um, This actually goes hand in hand with propaganda, um, which has been around since the world wars, um, if not earlier. It's anything where it's psychological um, manipulation, right? When Mm -hmm. it's whatever media is being put out there, whether it's Russian bots on Twitter or uh, a full out like um, political campaign commercial attacking the other side. It's like it's that. But this one is a little bit deeper. um, PsyOps is like really trying to get move large groups of people into believing something that really get people's like changing people's minds so all of this falls under that umbrella of propaganda of just trying to do mind control <laughs> this is a this mm. is an intense episode michelle Whoa. and I know. my <laughs> mind right my mind keeps going back to 1984 too right yes. like it's all in there um them mm-hmm. literally going back in time and erasing the newspaper articles and rewriting them um yep. so none of this none of this everything old is new again like none of this is ultimately new
0: yeah so you Lindsay found a great infographic right yeah, and yeah. you said you found this on the International Federation of Library Associations and Institutions yes uh, which is I a very flag. impressive name
1: yeah, yeah uh, it was like <laughs> <laughs> <Cook>. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, we'll make acronyms out of anything. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, <laughs> but they actually give these tips for spotting fake news. So the first one they say is to consider the source, which we've talked about extensively already, like on this episode, right? Mm-hmm. Who owns the news source? Um, what is their, you know, mission statement, perspective, bias? All these different
1: things. Consider the source. Absolutely, um, or as they say in other groups, follow the money, right? Like mm-hmm. somebody's getting oh, paid yeah. for sharing that news, so there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong. You're not being a conspiracy theorist. Um, I just want to say, if you're doing any of this extra work, like don't let anybody label you that way either, because you're like, well, who said that? Like, if you're going to start asking these questions, this is the right thing to do. This is this is the proper way to go about it. Um, mm-hmm. The next thing is, yeah, check the author. Then, so there's the source, the newspaper, but then there's an author of that piece, right? Are they even a yeah. real person? that that Mm. one stumped me because I was like oh right (laughs) um especially now in chat GPT AI world yes Um, (laughs) yeah are they a real person um Okay, now I've got to go off on something else, Michelle, because um, this is becoming an actual issue. So I saw somebody shared this article, and at first I thought it was hysterical and fake news, but I triple-checked it, and it is not fake news. So they were sharing that there's a bunch of these, like, gardening and foraging. Foraging is really popular right now, especially mushrooms Mm -hmm. are super popular, right, as we have covered in multiple Spring Trends episodes. It's true. And so they were sharing that there's these like foraging books that look really professional available on Amazon. I double checked, they sure enough are, but they're not written by real people. They're totally ja- what? chat GPT. And so you don't really want to be getting information on what mushrooms you can pull out of the forest soil and eat on your own with your family if you're not getting that from an actual expert. And these people are claiming to be experts, and these books are totally fake and they're on Amazon. Oh my goodness yeah oh yeah I was thinking I'm like that's maybe one of the worser
0: things yeah to yeah. not be getting expert advice on
1: <laughs> well you don't even want to let your mind go to the other places what other types of no. books can be false right so this was like I, I not even mm. a year ago would we have been having this conversation this is how quickly this is changing so True. yeah is someone a real person that's a legit question now uh, and then if they are what are their credentials is it just me I dropped out of university in year three I can't really say a lot about anything like so so is it me or is it like my husband? It was a master's degree. It's two different levels of education there. So yeah, what are their credentials? Yeah,
0: that's a good point. And even in the field, right? Yeah. Like they could be a doctor. But or a doctor yes. in what? <laughs> That's right. Let me just say all
1: in the bro (laughs) science health world, everyone's a chiropractor who's giving medical doctor advice. And I'm not discounting chiropractors. They do great Mm. work. But um, I think they need to point out that that's their specialty, right? Um, A lot of Mm -hmm. people then become like dietary experts, but their actual specialty is chiropractics. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. knowing somebody's credentials is a big deal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, The other thing on the list is check the date. You know, was it was it even published now or is this news from years ago um, that people are just sharing now? And this can be confusing because sometimes in a current event, people start sharing articles about similar things that may have happened uh, in the past, but we're not checking the date. So it makes it seem like all of this is happening right now, whereas some of it may be more appropriately uh, touted as historical context Um, And so checking the date is really important. It could be something that happened uh, long before, um, or it could be current, but that would give you a much more accurate perspective on the the event that's happening
1: right now. Well, on a lighter note, in my Facebook memories, (laughs) I saw Mm -hmm. in like... December of years ago I was like is this true is there really a tornado watch right now it's December and then I'm like no Lindsay it's not if you oh. click on the article it's from the previous July which would oh. make sense and not a tornado in the middle of winter so yeah, yeah, So even I've, check your I've own I myself that's yeah. right check your own um, and speaking about checking your own problems check your biases right we all mm. have them we mm-hmm. all have certain core beliefs things that are foundational to our families to ourselves and that there's no problem uh, with the having core values and beliefs but when those things can bleed over into being like a bias where we're not even where we're blinded this is the problem right Where we're blinded to seeing what the other side could have to say and uh that that becomes problematic so check your bias so the next thing is
0: to read beyond so don't just stop at the article you're reading you know read really? that one and do that <laughs> yes, we do. Oh, yeah. um, and, and it's really important to do that, to really take the time to, you know, not just read even the headline, mm-hmm. but the whole article. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even beyond just that one article try to find different sources on the subject as well. So especially if you are genuine and sincere about wanting to understand the current situation and you don't just want to uh, affirm your bias, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If you are really trying to be honest about your outlook on uh, especially global events, read beyond. Um, Don't just click on the headline or one headline or one article.
1: Invest some of that time in checking out several sources. And then just to click a little bit further is um, check out the supporting, supporting sources. Um, mm-hmm. If there are links mm-hmm. that are there, click on those too. Read it. Read what they're having to say. One of the things when I started reading like medical journals and really looking into those things, I was Shocked by how many like sources would that polled people, whether it was medical or anything else, where they were like doing an experiment or looking at a group of people. It was like maybe thirty-five people. Well, that if I know it's thirty-five people giving a response on something <laughs> versus thirty-five hundred people, uh, that really shapes what I just read in that article, right? So reading those those extra links, the source material is really, really, really important. Um, I, it's it's changed my views on things more times than I would think.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, like what you're saying, sometimes those supporting sources are dry. Yeah. They're like the medical journals or yep. things like that. For people who don't have like education in the medical field, that can be a lot to sift through, right? Yep. They're not light reads. Um, and so it's very tempting to just uh, stick with the article at hand Um, and sometimes I do see like the the little blue font where it's a Mm -hmm. link to another article and I'm like no (laughs) I have to be honest (laughs) and just Mm -hmm. like kind of skim and um, check out at least check out the other source too Um, but if we want to grow in news literacy that
1: is something that you you can't really skip. That's right. And I think you and I can both say that we've gotten better at doing that since having to click on all those links with the podcast. We've done yes. a lot more research, mm-hmm. I think, than we ever would have before. And so like with anything, it, it's a muscle. And the more you learn how to read those things or you can process it a lot quicker as you get into the practice of doing it. So the next thing on the list is to ask yourself in all
0: in all seriousness, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is this a joke? Mm hmm. <laughs> Because that's hard to spot nowadays, too, right? Yep. Like in 100%. this age of satire, especially, and I'm a big I'm a big fan of satire, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes it's hard to be able to differentiate between. Yeah, like a joke,
1: someone poking fun at an an issue and the actual issue. Yeah, especially when when publications like the Babylon Bee are becoming more and more <laughs> like are just sharing real headlines, and you're like, well, that actually <laughs> that is real because some things are so laughable in this yeah. wild and crazy, stranger world. than fiction, stranger yes. than fiction. Yep. So I, I have seen more times than i can count um people sharing things thinking that it's real and it's a little bit embarrassing so you don't want egg on your face do your do- your due diligence and be like mm-hmm. i think the one that was catching people off guard for a while was the Beaverton, which <laughs> it sounds oh, right <laughs> but there was canadian satire and this is a couple of years ago but i even had to be like what's the Beaverton? this is new. Yeah. some <laughs> fancy newspaper no it wasn't no (laughs) and finally the last one is ask the experts do more digging we one of the benefits of living in 2023 is that we do have experts at our fingertips. You have the most renowned scholars of today and yesteryear, all in the palm of your hand on your phone. So there mm-hmm. was really no excuse for not digging a little bit deeper. Um, and And I just love that you could literally listen to Harvard professors, things that people never had access to 20 years ago, right at your fingertips. So definitely ask the experts. They're right there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then just a few additional things that I found I do, um, that some good habits I've learned over the years, um, and things that matter to me because intellectual honesty matters to me. It's a really big deal for me. I also really like to know all the details of stuff because mm-hmm. I do speak up at things and I've learned over the years that you do want to know what you're talking about. Um, and I do believe that there is a duty and responsibility, um, with having something like this podcast, we have all of you wonderful listeners listening. So I, I do really take this seriously in my own mm-hmm. personal life. And one of the things I do is I do listen to both sides. So I listened to Al Jazeera news many times this week. I put on their news sources. I put on ours. Um, and I want to hear what both sides have to say. Um, I also deliberately seek out historical sources. Like what we were just talking about with the experts. Um, I do think um, if you can isolate and know what you're listening to right now. I do think it's really important. Like even what you were saying with just a generalized knowledge of history. To look at what people did say about the same topic. 20 years ago, 10 years Mm -hmm. ago, because Mm -hmm. what is interesting is sometimes they've switched sides or the person Mm. like people change their minds. And so to have that like bigger perspective, um, I think is really, really important at looking at a really complex problem. So I I do seek out sometimes like if I'm on YouTube and I'm looking up Israel, um, I deliberately clicked on some things from 10 years ago and then things from right now. Okay. Like I I do that intentionally. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then another thing I think is really important for me is I speak with the people in my life. I want to talk to real people. They're also not experts. I'm talking, you know, my husband, my family members. Um, they're not experts either, but what they feel about something matters to me. And I appreciate it even more if we have opposing opinions. Um, because I, I, if it matters to them, I want to know mm. why. And they mm. put a face to that opposing position. And so I, I definitely bring up those conversations. One of the quotes I read, my goodness, 15, 20 years ago that has stuck with me all this time. And I don't even know who said it, but I think I pinned it on Pinterest when Pinterest mm. was brand new. Mm. It said something roughly like this. Um, after so many years of being told not to talk about religion and politics, like at the family dinner table, it's taught us how to, like, not to talk about those things. Like, we don't know actually how to talk about those things, and so bringing those conversations back in, especially with people I care about, it's it, it doesn't have to be a fight. I I can look at them and be like, I care about you. I want to know why you have this opposing position to me, um, and then I'll look into it. And then finally, for me, the last thing I do is I've really learned in the last year or two, only lately, to shut my mouth for a bit to really Mm -hmm. not have an a knee jerk emotional reaction I'm very much an emotional reaction type of person I speak quickly I think quickly and in the last year or two um, I have learned to just pull back and sit with it for a day I sometimes give myself 24 hours 48 hours I pray about it I'm like lord am I seeing this correctly? If I'm not reveal more information to me, um, let me know how, you know, you want me to look at it through your eyes and a lot can happen in 24 hours of keeping your mouth shut. Let me just say that mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. has turned out to be the, one of the best things I've ever learned how to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love those points. Um, especially the one that you were mentioning about seeking the, uh, different perspective like the mm-hmm. other side of the both sides of the issue. I absolutely do that too. Um in fact, I don't think I feel comfortable knowing that I'm only staying on one side.
1: Yeah. of yeah. a
0: narrative, right? It kind of makes me feel like I'm missing something. Um and rather than shake my confidence in my own opinion uh once I've then formed it, I find that looking at the other side actually strengthens it. Yeah. Uh yeah, and not because I feel like I can argue better, although it does help with a healthy, healthy debate to have considered the other side, but also just even for my own conscience to know that I've been honest with myself and I'm not trying to like sweep something under the rug just to like, um, puff up my own, um, perspective or point of view. Right. Like sometimes you may not want to know the other side, um, that happens, but it's a good practice to fight against that temptation. And then the other point you made about speaking to real people, like the Mm -hmm. people in your life about things, I am more and more convinced that the kinds of conversations that truly change the world don't happen on social media. Yes. (laughs) They happen in person amongst people face to face. Um, And I think it's because it requires relationship. And that that is what's going to change the world. Um, And I also find, too, that when we do that face to face, that the Holy Spirit is better able to direct uh, than our minds and our hearts uh, when we have these in-person discussions uh, Mm -hmm. that it's. It's easy to scroll past a news headline that doesn't immediately appeal to like my own perspective, but I'm way less likely to shut down an actual person (laughs) sitting in front of me offering a different point of view. So uh, yeah, I think that it's, it's good to be really open to having those both sides conversations and the more in person you can get with those, the better.
1: And this is why, just talking about this, I'm like, this is why I don't get nervous about my teenagers um, having exposure to other thoughts or people who have other beliefs mm, or yes. even things that are fundamentally opposed to the things that we believe. They go to a public school, right? They were homeschooled, but my teenagers go to a public high school. And number one, we have that strong foundation that they were raised with, but they were also raised Uh, in these principles that you and I are talking about right now, Mm -hmm. not only did we teach them to do these things, but they saw us modeling this behavior in every single interaction their dad and I have in the way we speak with each other and the way we speak with friends and whoever's welcome in our home. And so I've really seen um, how that generationally can turn out really, really well. And so Mm -hmm. I'm not worried at all if my kids are in a situation where they're hearing something that is totally oppositional to what we believe in our home um, Mm -hmm. because they have such a strong foundation and they know how to defend what they believe, um, and that sort of thing. So this this type of behavior and these practices um, really do form our kids from a young age as you trickle down what information they should hear, right? It really mm-hmm. does help form them. one more thing I read that was on, it was not part of this infographic, but I read the words that you should judge hard, which means that we should really dig deep and look into something. It's that old saying, all the things Mm -hmm. our moms and grandma said, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. So if it seems (laughs) too true, right? Like it all makes sense and all the clues fit into place or it's too reactionary or too weird. Like there's just no way that would happen. Why would you say something like that? Um, Something is likely off. So judge hard just look deeper into things
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and to go along with that the word that keeps coming to my mind when you say to judge hard is sensationalism yes like i yeah when i'm consuming the news uh i look for that sensationalism the thing that makes me start to wonder hmm this this seems like it's really all wrapped up neatly (laughs) life isn't usually like that what else is going on um and then the other thing too is speculation Mm -hmm. i find that um an honest news source will not deal heavily with speculation yes i i think that's different than asking questions um i think questions are reasonable and legitimate but um any and I find this a little bit more editorially, but like we were talking about earlier, sometimes that line can be muddied between mm-hmm. opinion piece and uh, r- actual reporting. Yeah, um, is like anyone who's telling you what is going to happen because of this other thing? Yeah, uh, definitively. Uh, i'm I'm automatically a little bit suspicious of that, and it just makes me go double check that fact even more. So speculation and sensationalism are two things to be on the lookout for. Yeah.
1: The term that kept popping into my head is devil's advocate. And this is Mm. something we do all the time in our house. Um, Jason and I often play the devil's advocate to each other in conversations. Again, it's something we've, we've taught our kids. And then I, I thought I knew the origins and we you and I discussed it and we were, we were correct. It is a Catholic mm-hmm. thing and it did really originate in the 1500s. And it's an official position um, for someone during the canonization process. And then just briefly, I guess, the canonization process <laughs> is the process by which the Vatican and a whole team determine if there is enough physical proof through miracles that someone is interceding on behalf of people, which means that they're in heaven, um, mm. so that they become an official saint with a cap capital S. Now that process can go on for 200 years sometimes, or it can be a lot less um, in terms of some of our recent saints. But the, one of the things I absolutely love about the Catholic Church, and it, it actually lends itself so much to this thought process that we're talking about here about discerning things, is it is all about scientific evidence. And it is all about ex- examining every single corner of something, of someone's mm-hmm. life, of a cause, of a situation, of a miracle. Um, it really doesn't take things at face value. And so in that canonization process, right, they have people that are advocating for the person, witnesses who are like, this person lived a very holy life. But then they have someone who is the devil's advocate questioning everything.
0: Mm -hmm. You're right. That is a great model, um, like, set up for us to you know and we're talking about the news to scrutinize things Mm -hmm. like that's that's the word um that you need to just take a deliberate look at things and not necessarily be afraid of what you find there because
1: the truth is more important Mm -hmm. i love that okay and finally um i'm guessing most of you listening you're just like us you're either a mom who stays at home or works outside of the home, you're a homemaker, you're an empty nester, you're a newlywed. Many of you probably aren't professional journalists or, you know, working for the UN or any of those jobs. And so it's like, how do the rest of us, like how much information should we know? Well, there is a term somebody on Instagram um, coined. I don't know if he officially came up with it, but I couldn't find anyone else that was using it. And Mm -hmm. that is um, at... Catholicism. It's like Catholicism, but there's an extra hoe in there. (laughs) and that's brian edwards and he created the term medieval grind set grinding just like a grinding work set right and um he just talks about how in medieval times people could literally only focus on what was going on in their own area on the or on their own farm now i have pointed out to brian that michelle you've been saying this Mm -hmm. all five five six years of this podcast you've been in reference to rome right so Yes. Yeah, I love the
0: term. Um, it is the perfect name for what I've pondered for years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for me, this idea originated in the Catholic faith. Um, mm-hmm. So we're on that subject. Uh, anyways, <laughs> um, we have so many of these great saints who have gone through this scrutiny uh, and they've reached the heights of virtue and holiness here on Earth. Um So much so that we look up to them as role models, right, Mm -hmm. and spiritual mentors, how to live well, how to live a good life, how to live a holy life. Um, And I don't think any of us could read any of their stories or biographies and accuse them of indifference to the plight of their fellow man and the world, right? right? So then I've always thought, but they didn't have the media. Like, for so many of them, the printing press hadn't even been invented, Yet. Yep. So yep. for them to reach this state of holiness, for them to be able to carry out their lives so well that they are noteworthy in history, it didn't require them to have 24 access to every piece of information to have ever yeah. been spoken, written or otherwise. Um, and I think they just knew that they were called to whatever was going on in their lives here and now. yeah. Um, They would not, for example, with the saints, they would not have known much about the Pope or the Vatican at all. As an example, there was no news (laughs) for for that, Um, let alone what was being discussed and debated in the Vatican. They just knew that their duty was to pray for the Pope and for Mm -hmm. the bishops and the church. That's it. And then they were to go, you know, to work uh, or be present with their kids and their communities and to serve these people to the best of their abilities and their saints because of it, Yeah, you know. So certainly we don't have the ironic luxury (laughs) of living in a time without the media. Um, But we can adopt that mindset or that medieval grindset. Grindset, Yeah. Uh, We can adopt it to a certain extent and practice discerning what information I need to be well informed and aware of what's going on in the world and in a large way so that I can pray for the people and situations that really need it. Mm -hmm. And then when to stop consuming for the sake of consumption and sensationalism and really get to work making the world a better place, starting with where we are right now.
1: And where you and I are right now is we are both wives and mothers, right? Mm -hmm. Our vocation is wife and mother. And this reminded me of a post I wrote on Instagram back in 2022. In fact, I realized I've spoken a lot on this because there's been so many things in the last couple of years. And this reminder that we really only need to know as much as um, we need to know to do well in our duties and our vocations, right? Mm -hmm. And to serve our communities in that way. And so- This has been happening so many times and I'm like, oh my goodness, like we've talked about this a lot. And we did an episode that we highly recommend you listen to as well called The Mission or The Mission Doesn't Change. And it's just about that core, what our core mission is in our vocation. Um, But this idea of also guarding your heart and guarding your home. Reminded me of this one post I wrote and just, I'm going to sum it up right now, but it's this, I read it earlier and it really jumped out at me. So it says, you find yourself struggling with how much you should know so that you can be informed. But let me tell you this, you only need to know as much information as possible to do the duties of your vocation well. My vocation is wife and mother, not podcaster, not journalist, not world peace negotiator, wife and mother, full stop. Sure, I kind of need to know a few things. My husband has a job that is affected by the current situation, and I've got teens who have questions and worries, and we've got listeners of this podcast that we're connected to around the world, but my vocation is wife and mother, and I've got to get my own house in order. I'm going to remember that my gifts of intelligence and fortitude and my ability to work hard are meant to be lavished upon the people who need me most. My vocation is wife and mother. I can't solve any of the problems happening outside of my front door, but I can prep dinner for our family tonight. My vocation is wife and mother, and I can choose to stop scrolling through the constant news stories now." so i think that we have to remember too that one of the greatest weapons of the enemy is misinformation Mm -hmm. and sowing the seeds of distrust um and so this constant scrolling this constant influx you have to control that yourself i have to control that right Mm -hmm. i think that just remembering that it's good as a responsible citizen um as part of the body of christ the the church universal that you have an understanding of what's going on but what the details, the minutiae. you only really need to know what's going to make you a better wife and mother because that has to be, that is your vocation. That's what's going to get you to heaven.
0: Normally, it would now be time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. But as we mentioned in the opening of today's episode, we wanted to keep the tone of this episode more solemn out of respect for what is going on in the Middle East right now. Instead, we wanted to share some of our favorite news sources and the outlets that we have been appreciating for their efforts to deliver honest, clear, and contextual headlines with as little bias as possible. One of them is the Instagram account All Sides Now. And you can find that at All Sides Now on Instagram. Um, what I love about this account is that it will show in a carousel news headlines from the whole spectrum of political leanings, right? On the yeah. same news event. So um, they'll have a news event and they'll show an example of a headline and from a more left leaning perspective politically. Um, And then they'll have an example of a more centrist-leaning news source and a headline from a more right-leaning source. So that you can see in real time what the differences might be um, depending on your bias or these news sources bias. And so we find that a very helpful um, Instagram account to follow. And then another one is Jenna from Smart Her News. And we have referenced her and um, her account multiple times on our podcast too. We appreciate her take on the news so much. She tries also to be very non-biased when she's reporting the news. And one thing I also like about Jenna is that she really is also very interested in the historical context mm-hmm. of what has happened in the past or um, other factors contributing to any particular situation. And she takes the time to develop those thoughts and ideas quite well. She has a podcast and she they do have a website, Smart Her News. And um, I still try to check in with her website as often as I can, especially when there are bigger things going on in the world. And then another Instagram account as well is at Sharon Says So. Um, I don't follow her as closely, um, but again, kind of like Jenna at Smart Her News, I really appreciate the fact that she cares about context Mm -hmm. uh, for anything going on in the world. So she as well is a great source to get you started into looking a little bit more deeply into the events and the issues happening today. Um, she I find she really discourages us from taking things at their immediate value yeah, um, yeah. and asks good questions and also reminds us all about the humanity behind the news. I do find that as well as uh, Sharon says so really tries to put the emphasis back on like remember that we're all humans here. Um, And that there is a humanity factor that we cannot
1: forget, even though we're reading headlines on a screen. And a podcast that I absolutely love um, is the Honestly podcast with Barry Weiss. Yes. It is, she, there's a lot Barry Weiss and I don't agree on, but I Mm -hmm. really respect her journalistic integrity. She asks great questions. She has great guests. um, And she is Jewish. So I actually, one of the things I was listening to was her episode from a couple months ago about the anniversary of the founding of Israel, um, which was Mm. interesting because they were actually talking about the current situation of like internal strife between like the right and left sides within Israel, um, which is actually contributing to some of the conversation going on right now about netanyahu and Mm um so it's actually good to kind of understand what was going on within israel leading up to this so that's a great episode and then of course she's doing daily coverage right now she's sharing some very very emotional and personal um interviews with people who have children who've been taking hostage but she as as a jew she really feels like it's important to be a voice for those people right now so uh but her her podcast in general all of the other topics as well the honestly podcast i don't think i've ever listened to an episode Episode, um, that hasn't really given me a lot to think about. It's really, really well done. Um, another podcast that was told to me by a friend this morning, but I have never heard of it. And you haven't either, Michelle, mm-hmm. and I can't believe we haven't, is called um, <laughs> Breaking Points with Crystal and Sagar. Um, mm-hmm. They are, it sounds like one of them is left wing, one of them is right wing. And they tackle all the heavy things. Like they both have a say. It says it's a fearless anti-establishment um, YouTube and podcast channel at show. And so like I'm looking at today's episode and I won't even read you the title because it's just like all the headlines and it goes mm. on and it's a two hour episode. They have roughly like two hour episodes. Wow. It's like every day. So um, that might be a really interesting one as well. Okay. And and I have one to add to that um, print
0: wise. Yeah. I shared it. Last spring as of what I'm loving and I'm still loving it, but Mm. it is the 1440 uh, Daily Digest. Yes. And it is like specifically trying to be a non-biased news source that is delivered right to your email inbox every morning um, with... As unbiased as they can possibly be, headlines mm-hmm. um, with though links attached to many of the headlines, so that if you do want to go further into it, you can. But it's just enough, I find, for me to inform me what's happening. Um, that that way, I'm not like forcibly taken on a deep dive <laughs> if I don't want to or need to go there, mm-hmm. but. I know what's going on. And so when someone mentions uh, something that's happening in the world, uh, more often than not, I, I can say like, oh, yes, I did come across that. Tell me more. Or I will even say like, hmm, isn't that interesting or isn't that strange? I should look into this deeper. It's a mm-hmm. great starting point, a great not so intense starting point for the news.
1: I love Tell Me More. I think that's a great thing to say to someone. Mm -hmm. And Michelle, why is it called 1440? I thought this was so cool.
0: Yes, there were a couple of reasons. And Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of them right off the top of my head. I think one of them was that it was the year the printing press was invented. Yes. Yes. So kind of playing off of that, like this is the new printing press era. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second one was there are 14. Oh, 1,440 minutes in a day. Mm, and they wanted to make one. each one count. That's yes, great. <laughs> okay, that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And
1: I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomemaker.
0: Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week, and we will see you next time.